Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Bobby Moore as a Jeff Hurst. The trailer looking at Billy Bones. A pound old West Ham Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Season 7, episode 16. I am George. I'm here with Sean. Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon, George. Time just flies by. Episode 16 of season 7 already. Where it's craziness, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, and it's you know, we don't usually do one on an international break, but we've got so much to talk about. Wow. The episodes yeah. are racking up this season, yeah. aren't they? They are. I'm here with John. Hello, John. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Great. And I'm here with Nigel. Hi, Nigel. We got George. Where are you? What are you up to? I'm in my shed. There you go. Thanks for that. Thought I'd slip that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Said the actual silly bishop. We come on. Da, 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 da. Sorry, <laughs> slow that one. Uh, uh, we've got a new manager. Have we? No, it's not Sean, is it? Yeah. Did you know? Oh. No, no. Who was it? It is the one and only David Moyes. Before we uh, before we say that though, can I just ask you and John, how was your comedy show last week? Oh, it was really good. Yeah, it was really it? funny. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. It was really good. Who was it? Uh, you didn't say. We, we, all of our listeners were, you know, on tender hooks. Why you missed our last episode? It was uh, Richard Herring, Leicester Square podcast from the Leicester Square Theatre. We're Leicester Burr. We're Leicester Burr. Hold up! I what, thought you said it? it was funny. Hey, <laughs> now I've seen him. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he baffled me. No, there you go. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm not on your intellectual yeah. level. Then we'll leave there. No, I just gonna. I'm gonna do that the whole whole episode. I could keep putting that in. Um. Oh. Yeah, we got a new manager. Back to the football. Uh, David Moyes. What do you think of that, John? Um, not inspired. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously, we we weren't here for the last podcast and we didn't get to debate. But uh, not very inspiring. But, you know, given the circumstances, I'm not surprised. I'm not overly concerned about him because he's sort of a solid type of manager and he... he sort of could do well we could go one or two ways but either way it's sort of like just more of the same isn't it really so but john who would you rather add like tony pulis or something who 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 else who, was there was there? absolutely no way they would go for pulis was there no i, I can't they would never have made an approach for pulis would they no. no i mean that would be ridiculous them going and asking tony pulis him turning them down and going to <laughs> Moyes afterwards brilliant. would never happen. So let's not talk about it. <laughs> that, that could never have happened. It never happened, no. no. 
I, I, I would. Uh, I, I, along with lots of other people, were looking for the next level manager. But it, I think it's all coming home to roost. So I, I'm not at even before everyone started to buy into the uh, Brady August orchestrated loving or the Sullivan orchestrated loving of all the in, independent media outlets like your Clarendon Hughes and the West Ham ways and all that. Now that you've all independently found that he's not as bad as he we all thought he was. Yeah. I actually was, I wasn't, didn't think he was that bad beforehand. So, oh. so, but he's not. If you gave me a choice of a manager right. to inspire me, he wasn't the one. I was asked to describe or give my thoughts by a friend who laughed at the fact he'd been appointed, and I used two words which were uninspiring and tedious. There you go. But you on a positive that? note, um. George, well, there yeah. must be some positives you're looking at this because I know you. The, you'll get behind the manager. Look, absolutely. Give me three words that are positive about David Moyes. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll definitely be getting behind the manager and I'll the team. Get behind him as well and back him. And yeah, of course. Fitness got to, I think. Fitness has got to be one of them. Is it a positive? Is it a positive? Do we know it's a thing yet? You know, we will be. We keep getting getting fed all this info (laughs) via, you know, the independent social sites and the actual website that keep Mm. telling us that all the players interview with players, saying how hard how hard they're working them and things. They are really going for it, aren't they? The the actual most ham. Another one a day. Yeah. Another one a day. Is he that now, fit in his fifties though? I mean, all, could he put his boots well, on? It's all well and good saying it's a positive, but is it until it's until it changes into? Yeah, let's see a game. All right. Yeah, so, if it comes footballing results, then yeah, it's positive. Second one, backroom team, really good management experience. Alan Irvine, Stuart Pearce, Psycho, Chris Woods, Billy Mackay today. <laughs> the dream team. The dream Chris team. was already there, wasn't he? Now, I mean, Stuart Pearce, manager of Man City, let's not forget, as well as playing 50 times for West Ham. Well, and I looked up a stat for Stuart Pearce at Man City. Yeah. Go, go on. <laughs> <laughs> at home in 2007, before Christmas, I think they only scored 10 goals. Yeah. After yeah. Christmas, I don't think they got one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, who did he else? He managed Notts County. Uh, sorry, not Notts Forest. Not Forest. He must have done Don't call it Notts Forest. Like that. Forest yeah. I think yeah, that's I when know. they went Nottingham. down, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, Alan no, Irvine. Again, again, no, but again, like you know, Sean, you're sitting there saying, "Is it the dream team?" But you know, none of these, none of these names have ever excelled as a manager. Um, but you know, who we we all hope and we all we all think and pray we that. All hope for the rest. Exactly. Yeah, we, look, we want them all to but, get on well and, and work well for us, but just you can't start looking at past because, you know, if we did that, then we'd be very disappointed, I think. Well, let's just say, right, who was the last backroom team? I bet you can't pronounce most of them. The 70-year-old handball coach who was there, Julian Dix putting out the cones, and... Oi, oi, oi. And, and the Croatians, who I can't... Names I can't pronounce. Edin Terzic. Who had no experience whatsoever. Yeah, Edin Terzic, Juracevic. Did they manage? Did they manage teams like you know? Was one of them the caretaker manager of Sunderland before he swapped it for West Ham? Was one of them an ex-manager of West Bromwich <laughs> Albion? <laughs> did any of them were caretaker managers for Norwich? The, no, the they were the not. coach actually was a coach at um, Zagreb for about ten years. Was he? But also, you know, who yeah. knew who Marco Silva was before he came in? His mum. You know, you did. Well, yeah. <laughs> so some people did. But again, you can't start comparing reputations, can you? No one had heard. Pochettino had been sacked. His job in Spain, Espanol. They'd sacked him before he went to Southampton. So, and he brought his backroom team in, didn't he? Who were they? Nobody knows. Who cares? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's all what's going on on the pitch, isn't it? And, I, and the old the old Stuart Pearce appointment, that's to me, that's another one of your sort of clever moves by the the board trying to placate the fans and bring everyone. You know, 
he's ex West Ham, he's Piercy, he's whatever. Oh, great, psycho, it's all good now. Psycho, yeah. Sure but at least he's got some At least he's got some experience. You know, not only just managing Man City, but also managing the under twenty ones for ten years. Remember as well, and a London Olympic GB team. Let's not forget that, John. How well, did <laughs> I know. He, he... coming in, Mister Knowledge. How well did they do in the Olympics? Well, they didn't do very well because I can't remember them getting into the semi-final. No, they, no, didn't. they didn't. No, there you go. He was the he was the under twenty-one manager when Noble was captain, wasn't he? Yeah. Pierce, he was. Yeah. So, but don't you yeah. think he brings some passion? Oh yeah, and, no. Um, don't, so know. don't get me wrong. I'm not criticising it, but the way it's all it's as if it's sort of been well sort of like pieced together for you know there was such a oh no not Moyes when it was first announced. And it took them, it, it's, see, what shows me that they are so disconnected with the fans is that that took them aback. Can, can you imagine if it, the, the, the Pulis thing was real as well? Could you imagine how can that would have gone? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine if they had actually have approached Pulis? Yeah, that would be that, ridiculous, John. That would show you even more how detached they are from the fan base. Yeah. Thank so, God they didn't do that, though, John. Yeah, well, apparently they did. They did ask Sam, though, didn't they? Uh, well, an intermediate asked Sam, and and uh, an intermediate gave a quote for eight million pounds. So I'm not sure they asked Sam, but they asked an intermediate of Sam, and you know who that is? What Ian Dow? <laughs> no, no, oh, right, no. <laughs> who is the intermediate? His agent, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. But they it just, it, I just, it's all just, yeah. It's just the board doing, playing there, trying to pretend to be football knowledgeable people, mismanaging this and doing that, and then undermining their managers they get in and causing grief, and then trying to placate the fans again by getting a piercing. That's what, how I see it. The mad thing about it is, David Moyes is probably the best manager they've ever hired in their whole footballing career. Including wow. what with Birmingham City and um, West Ham. If you look at the managers that they've hired, um, Barry Fry and Trevor Francis, Trevor Francis, Steve Bruce, Alex McLeish, Avram Grant, Sam Allardyce, Slaven Bilic, now David Moyes. That's all their appointments in one go. Yeah, that's quite a fair comment, I guess. So when you look at <laughs> none of them have ever won anything. Um, Moyes got a top four, didn't he? He got a top four, he and did, he got yeah. a few manager of the month awards. He three. won. Sean would tell you he's won league manager award three times. Only third he beat that. Four times, yeah, you're right. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. Yeah, he won league manager association three times, and the only person to beat is Sir Alex Ferguson. So he must yeah. be the second best manager in the Premier League ever of all time. Yeah. He's all. He's also been well criticised at least twice in the press by Lady Brady. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say that. You know, if you listen to our uh, our Karen Brady, she she wasn't too keen on him ten years ago, whenever it was, when she wrote in her column <laughs> saying, <laughs> "Not sure, sixty five grand a week for a manager who's won a few manager month awards is 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 justified." Yeah. Oh, how times change. But he could. He's got right. We said this last week, but I'm going to talk to John and George, right? Okay. He, he That's good. I'm going to be Right. He, made, he admitted he made a mistake. He should never have taken the job at Sunderland. He wasn't allowed his own backroom team. He wasn't given any money. He was given a poisonous challenge. On hindsight, he says, should never have taken it. Many, many managers fail in Spain. And again, he's got where he took it. He was always set up for Manchester United, the chosen one personally chosen by Sir Alex Ferguson. I don't care who followed Sir Alex Ferguson. It was an ageing team, and whoever came in was going to fail compared to Sir Alex Ferguson. So therefore, you have to go back to his Preston and his Everton days, which he did quite well. Case closed. Thank you very much. Didn't do too well in Spain, did he? Didn't do too well. I said no one does well. No English manager does well in Spain. Well, you know, he's not English, so that's a start. Oh, Oh, you've always got a bloody clever answer. (laughs) Just to pick you apart further, where have we just died Billy McKinley from? 
Uh, Sunderland. And you just said he couldn't take his own backroom staff to Sunderland. How did Billy McKinley get there then? He was chief scout. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't an assistant manager. What's he got he hired as a chief scout. Huh? Was he backroom staff? You just said he didn't well, hire his own backroom staff, but he hired Billy well, McKinley. Well, he, he couldn't. He wasn't allowed to take on his assistant manager and coaches, etc., which is why Billy McKinley became a chief scout instead of anything else. Oh, Look, well. I guess I think so, the, the 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 final point should be, you know, we we've got the we will all support him and his backroom team, whoever they may be. But you know, in ten games' time, let's look at it again, and and we'll know exactly how well he's done. I mean, everyone's going to back him. Let's see what's going to happen. But he he could well not improve, and we could well get relegated. Absolutely. But oh, great. Yeah. Well, it it, it could go that way. It's all it's it's such a a mess. It's it could well go that way. But cool. all he needs to do really is to get us. 12th, 13th, safe, and he's got a job, hasn't he? And we've got the same. I mean, you, you've got to throw your mind back to the Everton fans. We were glad that Moyes left the place because they were sick of the football he produced. And when all you've got is you're not going to win the league, you might win a cup, but we, we never tend to anyway. And if all you've got to look forward to is a decent game of football and you know you're not even going to get that, then... What is it? What is the point of going every week in, week out and watch like unentertaining football? Because you know you're signing up to it again. Once again, they're signing up to it. Then we're not going to get what you know Eddie Howe produces. We're not going to get what um, even what Brendan Rodgers was producing with Swansea and Liverpool. And we're not going to get that type of play, are we? We're not going to get a Pochettino when he came in. How he started. We we know what we're going to get. Do you know what his deal is? This will surprise you. What? Go on, then. His financial deal. Do you know what it is, Nigel? Well, yeah, you told me. Yeah, but but how it breaks down. <coughs> it's something like... Break it down. Two, break it down, yeah. For two million for six months. But he has actually got a two-year contract. But there's a break clause on both sides, is it? Yeah, there is. But that I'm, on, I'm not focusing on that. But just focus for the six months. He's on a very small basic with a massive bonus. He's on something like 10 grand a week pay, right? So that's only about 250 grand in the time he's here. But he's on a two million pound bonus to keep us up in this division. How much motivation is that? Two million pounds worth. A DS special, that is. But is he not a millionaire already? Of course he is. Right, well, then, you know... But but that is that is a genius deal to say that he's on next to nothing. I mean, what's ten grand a week? But he gets a two million. It ain't a genius deal if you still go down. Are people going to go? If he goes down (laughs) and we don't give him two million pound, are the fans going to turn around and go? Do you know what, Dave? He's took us down. He's an absolute shit. You're a wanker for appointing him. But that was a good deal. Only paying him twenty five grand a week. We're well happy about that. Yeah, I, I get your point. I get your point. It will all just, we'll just have to just wait, wait and see. see. But it, like yeah. I say, it's just, it literally is. We know what we're signing up for. Once again, they, they've just signed up to, uh, it's just not, amb- there's no ambition. And it's just, con- it just compounds the lack of ambition. You know, their, their ambition was showed by the signings of last season, our first season in the new stadium. Once again, this season it was compounded by their lack of backing of the manager and undermining him and generating this whatever we ended up with. And now, to solve it all, they bring in David Moyes. So this board is never going to give us something to inspire. I can't see it coming. Okay. Well, let's give the man himself a right to reply, Sean. Uh, For the first time... Okay, the news. (laughs) For the first time ever. Over to you, Sean. I can't even know. That's here with the gaffer to see. That's not that's not Scottish, is it? When I heard there was an, a chance and an opportunity, uh, it's always been something of of light. I like West Ham, and uh, hopefully it proves to be a good period. I imagine it's been a whirlwind few hours for you. Just tell us what it's been like being David Moyes for the past day or so. Well, I've been away a bit. I've been away doing some television work abroad, and actually when I got the got the phone call, I was. I was thrilled to have it. So, just getting back, 
from there and then coming down to London. And uh, I'm really just looking forward to getting started because I know that we're in the season now, you know, we have to get up and running right away and get the job done and get everything going. So uh, we're without some players at the moment away in international duty, but hopefully we'll get to work with the players who are here. You've been linked to many jobs recently and even managing your own country potentially, but why was West Ham the right club for you? West Ham's a big club. Wherever you go, West Ham's known. And for me, I've been really fortunate that I've managed some really good clubs and I had some great opportunities where I could have gone to. But I wanted a, I wanted a job which I felt as if I could get a real good chance. I want a big fan base, I want a big club and uh, West Ham fitted all the bill. You have, of course, come up against West Ham many times in your managerial career. What do you know about West Ham? What is your impression of the club? Well, passion. You know, we used to go to Upton Park a lot. I used to uh, take my teams there. But also I used to go and watch some games down here as well. And you know, the East End of London's always been a rough, tough part of But also the crowd were like that as well. So if we can get the passion, we get the supporters with us, and how do you do that? Well, you do that by getting a, a successful team and you get good players and, and players playing well. So that's what we've got to try and do. You obviously haven't had the chance to meet the players yet. No. But what are your thoughts on the squad you are inherited and the cha challenge that lays ahead of you? I think we've got a good squad. And I think that the squad at the moment should be in a better position than they are. And I believe they will be come the end of the season. I've got no doubts about that. But ultimately, we have to show it on the pitch and uh, we have to start in a, a fortnight's time against Watford. So let's hope that we can get ourselves ready for that. You talk about starting against Watford, you've got around just under two weeks to prepare the squad. You've also mentioned there's a few players away, but in a way, is it good that you don't have a game this weekend? You've got a bit longer to work with them on the training pitches. Yeah, it's better because more importantly, just to sort of get myself settled in, get to know how things work. But I'll have a chance to work with the players who are here and get to know them. And the big thing is that we get the players back from international duty fit ready to go and understanding that you know there's big games here and we need them ready to play. What can West Ham supporters expect to see from a West Ham team under your leadership? Well I hope you're going to see one which is really organised, disciplined but I've always only ever wanted to be involved with attacking, entertaining football but that comes from also making sure that you you're not stupid defensively so I hope that we're able to manage them all. It, it's some of our clubs have been able to do it, some others have not been. But I feel really confident with the group of players we've got here that we can, we can make it work. Of course, you won't be doing this alone. You'll be bringing in your own coaching and backroom team. Mm. Firstly, how important is it to get those appointments right? Well, there's, there's room to bring some people in. So uh, I, I want to bring in people who I know, know how I work, uh, trust them. And because of us needing to hit the ground running, we need to start getting results very quickly. I want people who can do that. But I've also got a, a couple of coaches in mind which I hope to be able to maybe confirm later on, maybe by the end of the week or, or certainly by next week, whether they, they'll be joining us also. You, your record in the Premier League kind of compares to anyone. It's been, you've achieved some really impressive things. But do you come here with a bit of a point to prove as well? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, I think I've, I've managed five clubs in my time. I started at Preston. Uh, I went to Everton. Everybody knows it's well documented about my period at Manchester United. I done some which I really wanted to do, which was go abroad and work in Spain, and uh, and I done that. And uh, it's only been my last job where I feel as if, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good move, and I didn't enjoy it, and it didn't work out well. So I'm hungry to to make sure I get things right. Any football manager wants to win, and that's what I want to do. I want to win, and I want to, I want to make sure that, for me, the supporters, everybody, that we, we enjoy our Saturday nights because we're winning games. How important can those be? The ones, the more negative experiences that you kind of alluded to. Then, how important can they be in shaping what you do here at West Ham? Well, I don't know any manager which's not going to go through negative periods in their career, and I think even more so now. So I hope that it gives me great strength, great understanding uh, of what's needed, what's required. I've been really fortunate to see the best and what it looks like at the top. And, uh, and that's what I'm aiming. I'm aiming to get back to the top with the team and with myself personally. You obviously come here wanting long-term success, but what can you and the team achieve between now and the end of the season? Well, that's the focus is between now and the end of the season. 
you know, the first thing is to make sure that we, we show how well we can play and what we can do. And if we do that, I'm sure we'll not be anywhere near the bottom end of the table where we are just now. So we have to focus on winning the next game is always the most important game. But, uh, but I do believe come the end of the season we'll be in a much stronger position than we are just now. What do you think of that, John? I don't know. I couldn't understand it. It was foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I obviously haven't heard it. I don't I know what to... was coming. But Sean, you need to pick up your game I on need, that. I need to. I need to perfect a Scottish accent because that was rubbish. That was pretty poor. Uh, number four on our running order. Advice to the board. Uh, ah. <laughs> let me, let me I'll like what I'll give it. What are we saying? What are we saying here, Sean? What do you want us to say? Well, I, I, I wrote an article, right? Because, as you know, I'm neutral and balanced in all these things. So I wrote an article of my my personal advice to the ball, which which I'd like to discuss. So, so, so number one was that um, David Sullivan should refrain from giving interviews and speaking to the press for the remainder of the season. Number two, David Gold should come off Twitter. Number three, Cameron Brady should give up a football diary in the Sun newspaper. Number four, the ball should publicly admit to fans that some statements about the stadium reaching the next level and Champions League football within seven years were overly ambitious. Analyse. Yeah. Uh, what are we up to? Number five, the board should let the manager do the talking and allow him to do his job without any interference. And finally, number six, appoint a West Ham fan to the board as a non-executive director to champion supporters' clause, uh, causes. That's a good list, isn't it, boys? Who do you think would want to do that job, though? Well, Nigel would. N- Nigel's already... Actually, Ian Dale also e- emailed me to put himself forward. Nigel's already put himself forward. I think a few people would want to do that, wouldn't they? Well, I don't think I put myself forward, did I? I don't actually said... What I said was, will they take someone off the Whistler Committee then to do it? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, no. Assuming they listen to they my advice, because the listen. Karen Brady wrote wrote that article, which brings us on to the next link. Um, well, first of all, I know John. When I when I first did this, he had a few more to add. What what were your, what were your additions to the six pieces of advice I, I gave? To the I remember. I think it was Nigel, and it? it said stop talking to stop talking to the independent media outlets of West Ham United. People like you, them, basically, Sean, I think was what I said. Are they going to stop I, I... talking to you, an XWH no, well, employee? I... Are they? No, you they're assume not. that people like that talk to us. I would never reveal any sources that we may or may not have in the club. I think Hypothetically speaking, then. libelous thing to Hypothetically say. Hypothetically speaking, then. Yeah, if they right. did happen to talk to people like that that promote their 
bullshit without them having to go to the main press. Would you uh, say, yes, they should stop talking to those people? Of course not, because you'd have nothing to write. I think that's an outrageous thing to say. I mean, it ain't going to happen, is it? He's not going to stop giving <laughs> interviews and talking to the press. She ain't going to give but up her book diary. Paul ain't going to come out and admit it. Yeah, they won't let the manager do the talking and they won't appoint a West Ham fan to board a non-executive. So basically, I, I, I'd like to think you took more than an hour to come up with him. But unfortunately, you <laughs> wasted your time. But you know what? David Sullivan was doing well up to when he talked to the son and called Moyes appointment a gamble. No, he weren't because um, he was still talking. When he don't talk to the press... Yeah, he's still talking to other people who put it out and label it as a senior source or another source or it's the son of Sullivan's of told someone or whoever. Oh, you know, it's an outrageous. It, thing. it was absolutely ridiculous this last week, the way everybody aligned and started putting out the same message. Yeah, it was the panic started after that poll. What was poll a, was that? Was eh? Who run that poll when the panic <laughs> set in? Eh? You! I don't know. You run a poll where more people vote for Moyes than Billich and they're about to pull the trigger and all of a sudden it was panic stations. Whoa, hold up, Operation Moyes. We need to start it going. <laughs> it was ridiculous, honestly. From every independent, from your lot, Sean, your West Ham ways, your sex and drugs and them lot, everybody was proud and stout. It was ridiculous. And how anyone can really believe now that there's an independent message coming from anywhere coincidence no not coincidence oh, what it will be even less less of coincidence at the next bloggers meeting when you all get chained around the ground again given a free lunch and then told what to put you know it's it's ridiculous sean it's so is so this moves on um is the tide turning because you'll can be aware add, that the day now another another go on, uh, don't don't take part in the apprentice anymore. I think that'd be a good one. <laughs> what do you think that does a harm then? In, in oh, I just used to like the apprentice, <laughs> and now I can't watch it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've not watched it. It's put you off. Yeah, but you, you, she's also then lines herself up by saying, "I got given these free beers or something <laughs> yeah, on Twitter." That's funny. Isn't what, this wasn't what I was promised. Well, what does yeah, she I... expect to get back from that? She got absolutely that's, that's, like that's, that's a good reason to keep her on because when I read them tweets, when you read the comments after, it does really make you laugh. Yeah, what people funny. can come up with. But she so did, was... did she really come up with? We did, did she put? Because I don't read what she does, but I just see the replies. Did she really put out there this Saturday that West Ham have invested more money than any club out of the top six in the last? She did. She actually yeah, said that, did she? Yeah, she she said we've invested a hundred million. That that figure wasn't right, and I'm gonna tell you a bit about that later. But it was that figure was wrong, and lots of other people have done it. Um, so yeah, it was a bit misguided. She's got to fill a column like anyone else, you know. Hold up, but this um, weren't a column because I got the son today. My uncle bought it round for me because he brings me all the West Ham press every week. Yeah. So he brought it round to me. So I was expecting it to be in a column, and it wasn't. It was a two-page spread in the sports pages. So it wasn't a usual crack column, where it was on Monday she mm. was out with some chairman of a club. Tuesday she was sacking yeah. people at some job. Wednesday I had lunch with my daughter at some glitzy show. It was, oh, he was such a nice man. We didn't really want to sack him, but he had to go, and I'm sure the fans understand. Bullshit. It was, look, I won't, I won't defend her. Right, I think it was an error of judgment to write that piece. I didn't think she, I don't think she thought about what the backlash or didn't care. I don't think she um, cares. It was, it was an error of judgment, and I do think, and this is why I wrote the advice. I think there is a conflict of interest to be a football diary columnist in the Sun and and be a chairman or a vice chairman of, of West Ham United. I generally don't think she cares. I really just she is business, and that is it. And, and, I think it, and I think it surprises them. I think it surprises all of them, the amount of sort of like furore that happens when they do these things and the backlash they get. I think they get surprised by their that they don't realise they're so disconnected with the fan. They don't realise 
half the time when they throw this stuff out there, what's coming their way. And I, I also think that David uh, Gold should come off Twitter for his own health. You know, he's an 80-year-old chairman who, who tries his best on Twitter, but he gets trolled mercilessly. And I know that, that it does affect him. He reads most of these, believe it or not. Does he? And he does, yeah. Well, and I it really I'll does affect him. Game up, then. <laughs> well, it... I think you should be ashamed of yourself, Nigel, <laughs> because, you know, I think from what I hear, right, um, David does get personally infected. And it, 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 to, for people to say such vile things, I don't care how thick skinned you are. In the end, if people are writing vile things about you, it affects you in some way. Yeah, I don't agree um, with the vile stuff. And, and I think he should be stuff. off. I, I think it's too personal. And I think... Um, he should be off Twitter uh, because I don't think it serves any purpose anymore. Well, that goes with anyone in the public eye who puts herself out there. And pe- there are idiots that get personal and vile, but there are also people that are, can say things with quite a bit of wit and make a point, you know. So you don't have to. You don't do you have to. See, do you see any purpose of him staying on Twitter? As our chairman, would you like him to stay on Twitter? I never, I never saw it. I always thought it was a surprise he was there in the first place, yeah. I mean, none of them do. Brady, what I mean, I just Brady just cannot keep out the public eye. She wants to be something. I don't know she, she. I can't see her being the chairman for much longer. She's either going in she, politics or going in television or whatever. Yeah, Reason. but she doesn't talk about West Amherst very much on her Twitter or give interviews anymore. I know she did the Premier League show about six nine months ago. But it's very rare she talks about West Ham in the public eye anymore. The reason I give Gold Stick on Twitter, and I'll admit I have given him a lot of stick over the years, is primarily to try and get him off of Twitter because he shouldn't be there. And, and and I try and highlight the stupid things that he says. And also, if he wants to, if if he wants to be public, let's let's talk about instead of retweeting about where we can get his book, and oh, it's Johnny's birthday, and 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 little little Sam had his first game at the bowling. Let's talk about the serious stuff. If you're going to be there and do it, let's do it properly then. But he won't, will he? Well, sometimes he has engaged with me. But then... Did Did you hear what... I mean, obviously, I know Phil Parks is one of your big heroes. Did, did you hear what Phil Parks had to say? Yes, yeah. Well, <laughs> paraphrasing, told him to shut up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear what he said. Well, he just basically well, said, it, we, we need, harks back. We need I mean, more... People slag off Called the curtains and whatever. But th- that's how a football... Funny enough, that's how a football club should be run. Not, I'm not saying to run it the way the Kearns and the way they spent the money is right or whatever, but basically, you never see them give an interview. They're down there on a wall at the end of the season, and that's really the only time you heard them. You didn't know what they sounded like. Yeah. They're there. They, gave the, they made sure the money was given to the manager to buy the players he wanted. And then, if they didn't, make sure the money was available, they took the stick from the fans. The funny thing is, if you look back in history now, every owner of West Ham's been slaughtered. Virtually every owner of West Ham's been slaughtered. At no point. But the, the old Icelandics weren't getting slaughtered until they went to its up, though. No, but they, they took the a whole Icelandics country down with them. I mean, if ever there was <laughs> yeah, a West I know, player, totally... the second richest man in Iceland, and bear in mind his son was the richest man, Buys West Ham and in a year and a half he goes bankrupt. What's the yeah, odds? Yeah, so it's just yeah, absolutely. It's just unbelievable. But but hang on a minute. They were if you looked into it, they were being taken for a ride. They were paying too much money. It was maybe hold up, they but they rich, were paying the money. But, they never turned around and said. But they were making the. Oh, we're loaning same as doing this. We're doing that. They never said that, did they? They were paying the money. They they, they would. They went about it in the same similar way that City started, Sean. They were banging out the big money, paying the big wages, and then having to do that to get people in. Who knows where that would have ended up with them in charge. And, and loaning out and then money. And then selling out two seats, uh, loaning out or, or borrowing against two seasons of season tickets. No, but didn't um, they only do that once the once after XL Airlines went bust? And they realised the writing yeah. was on the wall. Yeah, they then were going that to have done that deal to keep yeah. the club afloat. If yeah. they, if it, if we'd have been still owned by like that, give what was his name? Give us Gilferson or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. If 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 we'd have still been owned by him, who knows? 
So everyone gives them grief, but they just were just a, like I said, to a country down. To finish off this segment, I'm going to ask a question, which I know the answer from you lot. But there does seem to be a bit of a, a, a culture change at the moment. Daily Mail, Oliver Holt has written a damning article talking about mismanagement, which has been running KUMB today. The Times did one over the weekend. Richard Keyes in his own blog has put the boot in. So my question, is the tide fan turning? Because suddenly... Is, is the fan, is the fan there tide seems turning? There to be a change. Yeah. Against the board. In what's, what are you asking if... What are, do you mean the press or fans because i don't feel like no i'm talking about fans themselves that that you know there's always been a minority like john and nigel that have been anti-bald right from day one they never wanted sullivan and gold in there in the begin with but they they've been about i would call them a 25 percent minority right there's a 50 percent that actually don't care one way or the other and there's a 25 percent that are pro bald is the is the anti Bald and get out of our club group growing out of disillusionment with the stadium, disillusionment of the the um, appointment of the, the manager in uh, David Moyes, and disillusionment about promise of next level football. That's I don't think I'm it's asking. a new thing. I think pretty much since, well, sort of halfway through last season and the issues we were having at the stadium, I think that was when the tide started turning. I don't think it's a new thing. I think maybe the the, the wider fan group that don't attend the games and you know they're only only present and and loud on social media and online maybe but i think if you spoke to a lot of west ham fans i know certainly the majority that i know that go to games they, they haven't been happy with the board for a long time uh, john well i just see yeah, i i think everyone's sort of like starting to realize that they talk the talk, but just don't walk the walk. And I think pe- people went in hope when they went to the new stadium. They thought it was going to be like the the glossy video and everything. And then the realization of the, you know, the um, zip ties holding the scaffolding together on concrete blocks is, is these images stick with people, and they realize that they've been fed a fed a load of bullshit, really. And when you then get the actual mismanagement of the stuff that's going on on the pitch. Because no matter what you say about Billich, the way he was treated, the way he was undermined so often, the running down of his contract and all this sort of stuff in the public eye, it, it was atrocious. And it's just not the way. It's not a dignified way to deal with people. And that's what that Times article, was it um, Was it Oliver Conn, was it, or whatever his name was? But the, the, the actual Times article was spot on. It was so well written. And now if people like him are starting to catch on to it, yeah, I think they're starting to be seen for what they are. But I, my view, and you can shout me down, is, as I said, you've got Shut tw- up. You're 25% anti-ball, 25% pro-ball, and 50% in the middle. My question is, is that, that 50% in the middle starting to go the other way? Because I still believe, and I know you've always told me, oh, Sean, there's a lot more people that don't like this ball than, and you'll wake up one day and find out you're on the wrong side of the fence. But I, I just don't really think, you know, there's a vocal element on social media, don't get me wrong, right, that don't like the board. I get that. There's a vocal vocal element that still remain pro-board. But is this, the, if you take the 50-plus thousand that go every week, do you think the majority now don't back the board? That's my question, really. The majority... I, I don't think I don't think we are at that stage, but I'd like to know your Nigel. You haven't spoken on this subject. There's a reason for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do think the tide has turned. You know, you talk about the people in the crowd. Let's go to the social media people. You run a poll. More people vote Billich than Moyes. They panic. They've took notice of social media. Yet when poll after poll where like you get three five thousand people vote on twitter polls um on do you want bald in or out and they're coming back at 90 percent bald out that's got to be looked at now i get what you're saying about the people in the, the stadium perhaps being a bit different 
I can only talk about the social crowd I mix with, which unbelievably does include you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the vast majority, the vast majority, are balled out. Want them gone. They, they see the board for destroying a way of life of watching football, and we'll never forgive them for that. Now, I'm in that bracket. Perhaps it's at the age group as well, where a lot of the people I know have been going 30, 40 years. So, yeah, I want them out, and people go, who do you want? I couldn't give a monkeys who comes on, because they've destroyed that way of life. So, Pol Pot could buy the club. As long as he's got money to put into it, I don't care. I just want them gone now. I wouldn't go that far. Well, look, the way I see it is... There's a bad atmosphere around the club. They've done one thing to, to nullify it, I suppose, in appointing Moyes and getting rid of Bilic. Because, I, I, you know, I'm not going to... Def- I defended Bilic to the and I will do the same with Moyes when push comes to shove because he's a manager. But the fans are turned against Bilic. That was pretty obvious. So the only change could be made was Bilic. Now, the fans ain't going to be on Moyes' back. I tell you who's back they will be on, though. They'll be on Sullivan and Gold's back and Brady. So, actually, Bilic was taking a bit of slack, uh, a, a, a bit of the heat for them. Now they've done something about that, they're going to find it's going to get hotter for them before it gets hotter for David Moyes. Because if Moyes fails, they won't go after Moyes, they'll go after them. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to remind you of a poll, the London Stadium's poll we did last March on West Ham fly dying Claret and Hugh, among others. And, and I think Wissa helped with it as well. So we asked the question, uh, do you think the board is doing a good job? And so this is March 2017. Five, six and a half thousand, I think, took part. 5% said excellent. 27% said good. 40% said average. 28% said poor. Now, we'll be running that again next year in, uh, you know, the same time. February or March, it will be interesting on how in 12 months um, opinions have changed. Because, you know, if you add them up, 68% thought the West Ham were doing an average um, or, or or better. Sorry, um, it, it's more than that, isn't it? So 68% say they're doing an average or poor job. Um, but you can look at it the other way and say... You know, over seventy percent say they're doing a an average, good or excellent job. So it's it's the way, as I say, it's that middle ground. That that. Well, what way do you think it'll go then? Let's 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 take that. I think it all matters what happens on the pitch. If I'm honest with you, and if Moyes wins the next ten games, yeah, I think I think if Moyes does a brilliant job, people will say we say singing the Bulls' praises, saying they're bloody geniuses in bringing in David Moyes. Do you think even if we're sitting there watching exactly the same stuff that Allardyce gave us week in, week out, it, and what do you think, everyone, even though we, we're getting the results now and we're we're settling into mid-table, we're not going to win anything. We're out of all the cups. We're out of this. We're doing whatever. We might finish 12th or 13th. Everyone's going to think, what a Well, no, good but I said that you'd have to win a lot of games, you know, and let's, let's beat, take some of some big scalps. And maybe, right, here's an example. So under Moyes, we'll win the FA Cup. I think the ball, the, they would think the board's bloody genius. If we won the FA Cup waiting this long and David Moyes wins us the FA Cup, I think. And, and this is how fickle fans can be, right? You can all talk about mismanagement and the amount of money they've invested and the London Stadium and everything else. Deliver an FA Cup and like, oh my God, they're geniuses. As if by magic. I, I disagree. I don't think they will be called geniuses if they deliver the FA Cup. I don't, I don't think they would. I think for a lot of people, too much water has gone under the bridge to just turn it like that. Yeah, that 25% or the 28% in the survey. but I And they're always, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I could include Nigel and John in that, that 28%. I admit to it. Don't worry about apologising. I admit yeah. to it. Yeah. I don't think they could ever do anything in your two eyes. I think um, George is a little bit more on the fence, right? Well, and he can mm-hmm. he's intelligent enough <laughs> to decide for himself. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, moving dear. swiftly on. Yeah. Uh, we have a West Ham Finance and London Stadium update. How exciting. 
After talking about wait. polls and percentages, we now move on to finals. Well, I'm going to only give you a few figures because I could give you a lot more. But um, I, I was asked, actually, by the New Zealand Hammers how much money we're likely to make uh, for last season because the accounts get, don't get released to, um, to, to, to January. Um, so I did a quick calculation right, and talked to some sources. We're going to get up to about £200 million turnover. We'll get £122 million for the TV. That's already been said. We were going to get £12 million more for ticket sales. So we're going to get about 30, 30, 40, uh, £40 million from ticket sales at the London Stadium for the first season. And then we get sponsorship, retail, you know, merchandising, everything else, which adds another £30 million. So we're going to have the biggest turnover we've ever had. Well, our wages have gone up but only to about 95 million, right? And other costs, you know, paying the two and a half million, paying the agent fees, by the way, nine and a half million, and other costs like marketing, etc. By my estimations, we're going to make a gross profit of 80 million. Now, when you take play, that's before player trading. When you take player trading, which will probably take around about 30 million away from that, because we spent about a net fee of 30 million last summer, not this summer, last summer, that means it's about 50 million. However, the sources close to the club say, while they might be making a massive profit that will be announced soon, they are actually cash poor. And the reason they explain this is that they write off these assets you know, the money they spent on the stadium, the money they gave towards the transformation, the money and they play, they, they write them down over, well, in the stadium, 99 years, it, the fit out the shop, 10 years, and, and the players up to five years on the length of their contract, but they pay it a lot quicker and therefore they've never got any cash. So it will look from the outside, the club is tremendous, will make a massive profit, 50 million, I reckon, but it hasn't got any cash and it continues to borrow against the training grounds, the shop leases, the London Stadium, because at the end of the day, there's only cash in, in, in the bank. So what? Um, how much was the, they contribute? They paid 15 million to the transformation, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, 15 million. Another and how much did the shop cost? 10? Uh, the shop, the office fit out and the West Ham vacation cost another 10. And they, so that's 20, 25 million. And they paid another 15 million to pay off their bank debts. Well, they didn't really, did they? They did. They basically did, they used loaned it and they paid themselves back, didn't they? Basically, they borrowed the money from themselves to pay off the bank debt and then no, started No, 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 no. There was an existing bank debt to the Icelandics and that's that's the 15 million. All right, so that's 25 million, 15, that's 30, that's 40 million. Yeah. So they've spent four, they they borrowed forty million. They're going to make fifty million. So they've got a 10, 10 million profit this year. Then, no, no, because it's it's you you've got to work out, and it is complicated. But the cash flow, you know, what do they say? Turnover is for vanity, profit is for sanity, but cash is reality, and and the problem is, we don't have enough cash for our ambitions and everything else. Just, I mean, everybody will say, oh yeah, you sold Pyatt, you sold the, the bowling ground, you must have had money left. But even last season, I've worked out the net cost, we were 16 million short of cash last summer. We had to get that cash from somewhere. Where did we get it? We borrow it. We pay interest on that. Because even with selling Pyatt, even with selling Tompkins, even with um, uh, selling the bowling ground for 38 million, we still didn't have enough of cash. You know, everybody wants these players to come in, but you've got to pay 50% up front. The cash has got to come from somewhere. Rightly or wrongly, David yeah. Sullivan and David Gold don't put cash in anymore. They wow. injected £50 million of cash to begin with, and they're earning handsome they interest well on it. As well um, but they're not putting any cash anymore because they want the club to stand on its own two feet. So they've sold the bowling yeah. and they're still skint, basically. In cash terms, yeah. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Good, good efforts, isn't it? But uh, I mean, so in real terms, then next season when they make a hundred million profit, if we stay up because everything goes up, so you know, next season we should be well rich, shouldn't we? Yeah, 
Well, we, we should be able to build up a cash reserve that we can use. So with a lean year, so if we don't spend too much in January, we should be able to start building up some cash reserve. Well, I ain't spend anything this year. What's their, they'll say net spend this, 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 this year. So in the one that just went was about 19 million. I, I, did a, I did something earlier. I tweeted out. I've got a bit of grief out of it. Since Sullivan Gold took over in January 2010, they've spent 263 million, <laughs> 0.5 in transfer or loan fees for incoming players. In return, they've received 103.4 million, right? Selling yeah. players in the same period. And they paid 37.6 million in, tra in, in agents fees. So then the net spend over those seven and a half years is 197 million, nearly 108. Well, actually, when you divide it... Uh, sorry, 107 197 million is a net spend over eight seasons. So but that's you know, about 25 million pound a year. And net spend consistently over the last eight years while they've been in charge is about 25 million net spend. And, and do you know what that highlights? Oh, I told what? you earlier. They are rubbish. That's what it means. Yeah, the rubbish players that they buy. The reason they why, are rubbish, aren't they? The reason why we're not a selling club anymore as some people pointed out as a good point for the owners, is because yeah. we buy shit that we can't <laughs> sell and no other club wants to buy. And the funny thing is, is that the two of the best players we've had in the last decade, probably Scott Parker and Payette, have left the club, sold to better clubs. So, Better clubs, Marseille, better club. Well, if you take Marseille's record in France of winning titles, winning the Champions League, are you telling me they're not a, a better club than us? What are you judging a club by? Money or what trophies they put on the table? Because when I judge people, I want to see social media the reach, obviously. Oh. <laughs> they're polls. Yeah, they're polls. Yeah, well, I don't know if they've bought any polls. Um, <laughs> anyway, just to finish off on London, just to finish off London Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> because it, the story that keeps on giving gets worse. Uh, London develop uh, the London Legacy Development Corporation are still in trouble. This week they're about to meet their their finance committee. They need another twenty one million pounds injecting from the taxpayer into E twenty that owns the stadium, just to keep it afloat this financial year. I mean, at, at what point does it end? They spent another four and a half million. Oh, I don't million. know. I'm asking myself that same question. I like to see Newham Council put their share in. Well, Newham Council won't for the uh, residents of Newham. I don't know what the end game is beyond that. West Ham should manage the stadium, and, and maybe, um, which would mean obviously the current operators being moved out, and and maybe the London Mayor taking it over directly and taking it away from E20 and. And the London, and maybe folding the London Legacy Corporation, but that won't change it, will it? What, what does that do for the fans? Quickly, was it do for the fans? Yeah, because at the end oh, of the day, that's except, what except West Ham then manage their own affairs. They manage the stewarding. They manage the stadium so for other they, events, and they know what they're doing. The no, will the gaps be gone? No. All oh, right, so we'll just have a different colour carpet. Different colour carpet, oh, and that's good. probably. Slightly higher quality popcorn. Oh. But how how can how can that stadium ever make money with the rental deal we've got with that? Well, if we ran it right, so we, if we ran it, we could. I mean, obviously, we would get it for free, right? Our rental, but in return, we we could actually stop it being loss making to neutral, and that's really what they want. They don't want they, the the stadium is a draw for the area, right? But if we ran it. Do you know how they could instantly save money? Straight yeah. away. Yeah. You know in the summer when they put the seats back for the athletics? Yeah. Leave them back. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, because then yeah, because then they won't need to move them for the concerts. They won't need to move them. Athletics can still participate as the stadium was built. West Ham will still be playing in an athletic stadium. Just the people that sit downstairs will be 30 yards. Oh, are you saying that because back. you're in the upper, upper well, level and it wouldn't make any difference They'd still have a better view than me, wouldn't they? Because I'm on the upper tier. So actually, when you talk about a multifunctional stadium, you just keep going on about the seats moving backwards and forwards. There's one way to stop it. Stop moving the seats. You save well, yourself they, well, funny enough, you should say that. Right, funny you should say that because next year, 
So cost for 12 million, by the way, to move them over the summer because it was the athlete at the um, World Championships. It's 8 million usual, and they want They said they're going to half it to 4 million. How are they going to do that? The, the, the East Stand is never going to move again. It's going to stay where it is. They just take the first seven rows off. The North and... Well, they um, that in the summer. It still cost 12 they, million. No, it didn't. They moved it back in the summer. It's a, They had to move it for the World. The one before, they didn't. The North and South Stands, they're also going to just take the first few rows off. So the only stand they're going to move in future years is the West Stand, the one we're in. Nice. There you go. Thanks. Uh, so there's a sub meeting on Wednesday, followed by a bloggers meeting on the 28th of November. Did we know that? We did. <laughs> yeah. I, I have. Well, now, the, now the listeners do. Uh, I, what have you got to say about that, Sean? Well, I have been invited to both. Um, so if there's any points you want me to bring up with uh, the club, um, this Wednesday I'm I'm going um, to the supporters advisory board. And mm-hmm. on the 28th of November, um, the bloggers are all meeting with, with Miss Brady again. So that will be a joyous affair, won't it? Oh, how the bloggers. Independent bloggers. <laughs> what are you saying, John? It's, well, I don't know. It's, it's, time, I for, it's time for <laughs> this. It's Facebook, Twitter question time on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash more than just a podcast. Uh, Nigel, you put on the group earlier, the boys are back in town tonight with an in-depth discussion about the past week's West Ham activities. What do you lot think about Moyes? Should the owners and Brady stop communicating with the fans either directly or indirectly? How will history treat Slav's reign? Let's have a look. Uh, Alex McFarlane came in first and said hello lads if our board could learn to display more class learn to keep their own counsel stop with the rants and comments i think we'd all appreciate that that type of behavior embarrasses the club ed hawthorne says i think it all comes down to player motivation i keep hearing we are too good of a squad to go down as a hammer supporter from the states the same was said about the u.s national team and the world cup and they didn't even qualify our squad needs to want to put the yards into grind out results and hold on to leads in the final 10 minutes. Lewis Aaron Trout says, I expect a massive re- reaction on Sunday. Fitness for starters. Not sure on, not sure on Billy McKinley on the coaching team and Alan Irvine was a dog shite manager, but I'll reserve my judgment until we see them play. Are we Three. playing on Sunday? I thought we were playing on Saturday. Playing no? Sunday. We're playing Watford Sunday. Oh. Day before my birthday. You're going, aren't you? I am going, yeah. Yeah, cool. L- Lewis also um, predicts we'll have Jolien Lescott before long. Oh, God. He said Nick jo- Harvey actually, says not Jolien Lego. He did say Jolien Lego head, yeah. Nick Harvey says not a fan of Moyes, as stated last week. However, the change was long overdue. He will undoubtedly add some organisation, which can only be beneficial. Don't expect it to be pretty, but we should see some improvement. Is he the man to take us to the next level? Absolutely not. He thinks that the owners and Lady Arsenal should definitely stop communicating with the fans. Lady Arsenal. She says on her own blog, she says, I'm not an Arsenal fan. Once a gooner, always a gooner. Hicks she says, what kind of lineup do we expect versus Watford? Will he play 4-4-2? Who will likely to come in from the cold? Well, who knows? I've got no idea. Well, Will he yeah, start no Tony idea. Martinez? Will he throw a curveball no. in like that? Can no, he start Andy Carroll and maybe Sacco. Uh, I think Chikorita. I haven't heard anything more, but I, I assume he's picked up a, a little hamstring from the way he, he pulled up. Club have been very quiet on that, so I only consume the worse. Okay, that leads us on nicely to predictions. Then, what do we what do we uh, predict for Sunday's game at Watford? John, let's start with you. I would hope for an inspirational one nil victory. Nigel. Um. Yeah, I'll go two nil. Sean, I think I'll go three <laughs> nil. I'll go four nil. Then shall I? Only seems right. Yeah. Cool. That's it. We're done. International break special. 
international break special. Uh, we'll be back next week after. Let's hope our first three points after uh, after uh, under David Moyes. Come on, Moyes! Come on, Moyes! Moyes' Clarin Blue Army. Oh, no, you can't Go sing on, that Nigel. first game. You can't sing last, that Last game. comment. Go on. I'll tell you later. Don't worry. Go on. <laughs> That's it for Moyes' podcast. Thanks for listening. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.